market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. For Douglas Ross to stand there and talk about losing grip of a party when he has been leader, the Conservatives have had the longest attempted coup in Scottish political history. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's political podcast. My name is Connor Matchett. I'm the deputy political editor of the paper and here with me, as always this week, in a delightful committee room bathed in summer sunshine is our political editor, Alistair Grant, and our political correspondent, Rachel Emery. Welcome to both of you. Before we get on to the substantive, there was a large swarm of bees in Parliament today. Were you both safe from the bees? You didn't get attacked by the bees? No, I was fine, but we're saying, kind of fancying trying some some honey from these beehives if they've got some. So that's my next task from this. Absolutely. I mean, for any listeners, I'd like your favourite pop culture bee reference, please, because mine is Homer Simpson's Sugar Rant from, I think, season six, which is a very niche reference. But there you go. Let's move on to the substantive issue of the week, which can only be the arrest and subsequent release without charge pending further investigation of Nicola Sturgeon, the former First Minister, Alistair Take us through what happened, dramatic day on Sunday. Yeah, safe to say an extraordinary day in Scottish politics. So Nicola Sturgeon was arrested by the police as part of the ongoing police investigation into the SNP's funding and finances. She was questioned by detectives for more than seven hours before being released without charge. She's obviously the third SNP, the third senior SNP figure to have been arrested as part of this police investigation we had. Peter Murrell, the former SNP chief executive and Nicola Sturgeon's husband, who was arrested at the beginning of April, again, released without charge. And that was when we had those extraordinary scenes of the police searching the home shared by Peter Murrell and Nicola Sturgeon on the outskirts of Glasgow. We had that blue evidence tent in their lawn, the media from around the world watching on, the SNP's headquarters in central, central Edinburgh also searched by police. It was just completely unprecedented scenes. Then a couple of weeks after that, we had the arrest of Colin Beattie, who was then the SNP's treasurer, and he was again released without charge. So it's safe to say there was an expectation that Nicola Sturgeon could be next, that the police would want to want to talk to her as part of their investigation. But I think it would have still have come as a complete hammer blow to the SNP leadership and to SNP members and pro-independence activists around Scotland. It's the kind of thing that, yeah, it just would have come as a shock, I think. We're obviously a few days on, but on, on Sunday as well, the former First Minister put out what was termed in some parts as a bullish statement. You know, others said it was quite a surprisingly strongly worded statement, effectively saying that she believes that she has committed no offence and that she is, she is totally innocent. That in and of itself would have been a huge news story regardless of the day. And um, for that to come on the same day as her arrest is, is, is quite something. And um, can you take us through exactly what, what she said? Yeah, so as you say, it was a very strong statement, basically talking about the, her shock and how deeply distressing she'd found the latest development, but also saying, as you said, that um, her, her quote was, innocence is not just a presumption I am entitled to in law. I know beyond doubt that I am in fact innocent of any wrongdoing. So a very strong statement. And as you say, that, that led pretty much all the newspapers the next day, including ours, you know, was that Nicola Sturgeon, I am innocent quote. It was just, 
extraordinary. I think if you'd seen those front pages, if you, if you could somehow have travelled forward in time from this time a year ago Absolutely. and looked at those front pages, you just would not have believed that we've got to this situation. It's worth remembering that this time last year, or at least in summer last year, Nicola Sturgeon was still saying there was going to be an independence referendum in October this year. And that seemed uh, unlikely at the time. I think now any talk of an independence referendum or independence happening in the short term is, you know, frankly not believable anymore. So it's just, it's amazing how quickly and how far things have changed. Rachel, what was your reaction to, to Sunday? I mean, I think uh, I was asking a lot of people in the political lobby um, what they were doing when they found out. We had some people who may or may not have been in the botanical gardens with their child. We had some people playing uh, the new Legend of Zelda game on Nintendo Switch. I'm not going to comment on who in this room is with those two people. And some doing some gardening. You know, what, what was your reaction to the news? Because it was, it was quite a shock, um, given it, there was no indication it was going to happen on Sunday. Well, I was, I think, in my jammies, wrapped up watching Outlander on the television. So <laughs> that's what I was doing when I got the notification to say this had happened. Um, like you said, um, I think the, the fact that this was coming, perhaps not that much of a surprise, but yeah, there wasn't really a heads up that it was going to happen on Sunday. I, I personally thought it would have happened on a weekday instead mm -hmm. when we were all sitting ready to go and not um, on a Sunday when we were all minding our own business, unfortunately. But like you said, the really interesting statement, and I think probably worked well for Nicola Sturgeon because it means that instead of the front pages the next day being full of her arrest, they were all of her claiming her innocence. So I mean, damage limitation there for her, I think probably has gone well as it could have gone for her at that point because it could have been a lot worse for her. I think the, the papers the next day, couldn't it? Yeah, and I think we, we, we obviously can't, it's worth stating now, we can't go into any real depth about whether or not anyone is innocent or guilty of any crime given that the, the, the cases are, are all live under the Contempt of Court Act. Maybe an explainer on exactly what that means is for another podcast, but point being is we're, we're, we're going to avoid speculating on that for, for legal reasons. But Rachel, what do you think the impact would have been of her arrest on Nicola Sturgeon, the person? You know, she... she Clearly, when she came to Parliament a few months ago, now when her husband was, was arrested after his arrest, you know, she gave quite an emotional statement to a, a group of journalists. She seemed, to me at least, genuinely emotional at that point. Do you think that she will have had a hit to her own kind of sense of self through this? I think so, because I think Nicola Sturgeon's always prided herself on being, you know, there are no skeletons in the closet as such. Um, it's been, it's very hard to shake her on anything. It's hard to trip her up on anything. Mm. That's kind of been the whole time that she was first minister. So to have this now rocking her is probably not something that she's used to, not something people be expecting either. So that won't have been good for her. But she did step down saying that you know it was time and she wanted time to herself now so she's probably already in that sort of mindset of okay this we need to sort of start calming things down and instead it's actually got sort of ramped back up for her hasn't it so yeah I think um, quite telling her statement where she said that it was quite um, distressing for her um, but I think I believe that she went to the police station voluntarily knowing that she was going to be arrested at that meeting. So I think trying to keep it as calm as, she, as possible, I think. Today we've published some favourability ratings in a new poll done by Savanta for the Scotsman. And it shows that Nicola Sturgeon's favourability overall has dipped since March, it should be said. This The, the poll was obviously out during the period of, of time where she was arrested, but the, the, this, uh, this dip is representative of the last three months. 
her overall favorability has dropped by um, a significant amount. Um, she's down 10 points when it comes to being favorable. She's up seven points when it comes to being unfavorable. She's on minus 7% net favorability um, at the minute, you know, below the likes of Kate Forbes, below Anna Sawa, below Ke Keir Starmer. And despite that, she's still ahead of Hamza Youssef. Other polling that we did demonstrates that her trustworthiness has dropped since March, down 11% for those who say whether or not the characteristic of trustworthy applies to her, um, down 10 points for honest and down 11 points for genuine. It's a big hit to her personal reputation, isn't it, this, this, this arrest and, and the wider police investigation? It is, yeah. I mean, I think she will look at these figures with, uh, with a sense of worry. She's someone who, when she resigned in mid-February, was still very much... I mean, obviously, she had her problems in terms of Scottish government policy, in terms of the party with the independence campaign not really going anywhere and the various pressures she had then. But she was still a titan of the political stage and very much in control of the party. And this huge figure in the SNP and seen as probably their greatest asset, to be honest, in, in one single person. And for that to have kind of been compromised by some of this, I think will be a source of concern, particularly when you've stepped down and you're thinking about your legacy. But obviously, we don't know where this is going to go. So we don't know what's going to come next. We don't know what the impact of what comes next might be. So to some extent, a lot of this is still very up in the air. But I think for a party to be subject to a police investigation, such a high profile police investigation, and for arrests to have been made for those scenes of the home she shares of her husband being very publicly searched by the police, I think it'd be surprising for that not to have an impact. And I think one of the elements of this that is perhaps notable, and I think these figures are actually published in today's paper as well, is the impact on the party doesn't seem to have been as drastic as some people might have expected, and certainly as parties like Scottish Labour would have hoped for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the figures that have been published today, you know, they, they obviously the fieldwork covers over the period of Nicola Sturgeon's arrest, but this is changes since March, since Hamza Youssef was, has been in power. And the narrative around this has been Scottish Labour on the up, the SNP on, on the down, um, on the decline even, and, you know, an almost inevitability to Labour becoming the most popular party in Scotland. And as you say, today's results, you know, the SNP are on 40% still when the, on the constituency leads. In any other year, that's a significant lead. It's just the difference between their massive hegemony versus now a slightly less massive lead. Their list vote in the Holyrood list, that is significantly down, that's down 5%, but still, Labour are only just matching them, they're not ahead of them. And the most interesting thing about all of this polling is that independent support and opposition to independence hasn't shifted. You know, we've been polling the Scottish people for nigh on three years now, um, since with Savanta, since before the 2021 Holyrood election, looking at independence. And bar that blip, that rise off the back of the first lockdown when Nicola Sturgeon saw a gigantic rise in her popularity and independence, saw a huge rise in, in popularity, and we were hitting highs of 58% um, for yes, it's been 50-50 ever since. Um, and the most interesting thing about that, I think, is it demonstrates a decoupling of independence and the SNP in that, you know, the SNP may very well disappear. We don't know if that's going to happen or not. They may no longer be the dominant force of Scottish politics. The question of independence, though, that's here to stay. I don't know what your thoughts are, Rachel. Do you think that that's a positive 
for the SNP going forward that independent support is still high? I think so. I think um, the SNP, given all the troubles they have had in the past few weeks, will probably be quite pleased to see this poll because, as you said, they're still doing very strong in the constituency votes. And I think that is because, as you said, they have such a dominance when it comes to the constituency votes. I think bar two of their MSPs, almost all of them are constituency MSPs, so that's where they get their votes, that's where they get their seats. I don't think they'll be too worried about the regional seats because, as we sort of said, there's not many SNP MSPs who are regional seats. So they probably won't be too bothered about that one, I would imagine. But yet Labour probably would have hoped to have done better, I think, there, because that is something that they're very much aiming to get. But it does look like they're now going to be the second biggest party in Scotland if this polls anything to go by here. But yes, independence, I think, is still going to be an issue for a long time coming. And obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about this over the summer. We're expecting another independence paper from the government next week as well. So there's still a lot to be discussed there. I think there's still a lot of people who want to discuss it, whether they're pro-independence or anti-independence. There's still people who want to discuss it and want to have it on the table. So we're still going to be seeing this for a long time coming. Absolutely. It's worth stating that the support for the Scottish Greens, despite a lot of the um, criticism of their policies in government, is continuing to grow. They're up 3% to 13% of the regional list, suggesting that some SNP voters are looking at them as a potential second vote, which is language that pollsters don't really like when it comes to describing the regional list. But, you know, the Greens could take advantage of that further uncoupling of SNP equaling independence and independence equaling SNP. Let's quickly move to London. We'll come back and continue to discuss uh, Hamza Yusuf's way of dealing with Sunday and the, the arsenical surgeon. But let's. there has been a small uh, story from Westminster that broke as we're speaking today, Thursday, which was Boris Johnson and the Privileges Committee report. Um, Alex Brown, our Westminster correspondent, will get us up to date on that. Hello and welcome back to the Westminster section of the podcast. My name is Alexander Brown. I am quite fittingly the Scotsman's Westminster correspondent. And my gosh, what a week and what a day. At the time of recording, we have just received the report into Boris Johnson's conduct by the Privileges Committee and it is damning to say the least. All the talk beforehand was that a 10-day suspension would be enough to see a by-election forced Obviously, we know he's already quit and stood down, but that was very much jumping before he was pushed. In reality, the sanction was not recommended was 90 days, 90 days or three trials of some sort of website. That is astonishing. Not only that, MPs also recommended that he have his pass, which normally all MPs who leave get a pass to come back to Parliament for any business. The committee recommended he not be given one. So high was his level of offending. They found that he had showed multiple contempts of Parliament. He had encouraged uh, contempt of the committee. He'd called it a kangaroo court. He had lied to them. He had lied to Parliament. He'd breached confidentiality by sharing what the findings of the report before it was published. All in all, Boris Johnson, not, not an ideal day for him. He's in a lot of trouble and he's gone. And dare I say it, he's not coming back. I think it's important we as a public who have had to suffer through, depending on your persuasion, or perhaps enjoy the Boris Johnson show for so long, take a moment to treasure 
the fact that the man who lied and was fired from the front bench for lying about an affair, a man who made up quotes and was fired by the Times for doing so, and then has lied about Partygate, has now finally left the Commons. This is an absolute result for basic decency and honesty in politics. And I think back to before Boris Johnson was elected as leader and speaking to a Tory MP who said to me, the party's run out of ideas and so I'm going to press the Boris button. I know he's a liar, but that's priced in and we just might win. Well, he's gone now because with him they cannot win. One MP told me today that cutting loose of him was fantastic and he had been an anchor around the Conservative Party's neck for a long time. His supporters, very few of them were outspoken over this report and ultimately he has very few allies left to align himself with. He's leaving the Commons, he's left government and just 40 weeks ago he was a Prime Minister with a sweeping majority and had intended to do much to this country. Now he's left the Commons, he's left the government and he leaves very much in disgrace. There, I mean, there will be a vote on this on Monday I will be fascinated to see what Rishi Sunak does, but most excitingly of all, I will be on holiday, so I won't have to cover it. Happy Boris Johnson leaving day to all of you who celebrate. I've been Alexander Brown. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much, Alex, uh, for that. It's a an astonishing report, well worth reading the the summary, if only, if you get any time to do that. Quite the indictment on Boris Johnson, the politician, and Boris Johnson, the man. But promised we'd talk about Hamza Yusuf. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it, Alistair, for him? He's he's had a difficult few days. I thought he didn't react particularly well on Monday, sounded a bit more like Nicola Sturgeon's spokesperson than the First Minister of Scotland. Uh, we had a group meeting on Tuesday of SNP MSPs where the bizarre line came out that they were going to send Nicola Sturgeon flowers. How do you think he has responded to this crisis as a leader? I mean, I think even Hamza Yusuf's worst critics have to feel a little bit sorry for him. The guy has just not had a break since he started. He was obviously elected the new SNP leader and first minister at the end of March. And then just a few days later, uh, we had those scenes outside Nicola Sturgeon's house and the arrest of Peter Morrow, uh, who was released without charge. So it's just been a complete nightmare for him. He's been having to constantly firefight these damaging headlines that he could really have done without, to be honest. Forced to field questions about his predecessor's administration. He's not had any chance to put you know, his own policies forward, really. And I think this week, he... I mean, I don't know how he felt when he saw this news break on Sunday, but he must have just had his head in his hands. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's had to... He's had to come up with um, various kind of ways to deal with it. And I think his line basically has been, I think he can argue quite consistent. So he's come under a lot of pressure to suspend the Nicola Sturgeon's membership of the SNP, um, his critics basically calling him weak for failing to do so, and also pointing to quite legitimately the SNP's treatment of SNP politicians in the past. So people like Michelle Thompson, who lost the party whip in 2015 amid allegations over property deals, that ended up not going anywhere. Uh, she has spoken out about the way she was treated and obviously still feels quite sore about it because released a statement essentially saying that although she believes in natural justice, in this case, the party needs to be consistent in how it treats people. So she was saying that 
essentially Nicola Sturgeon should be suspended. But I think Hamza Youssef can argue that his approach has been consistent because he's treated Colin Beattie, Peter Morrill and Nicola Sturgeon the exact same way. He's not suspended their membership. And he's had that line about innocent until proven guilty. So I think it's obviously difficult for him. He's had a lot of pressure from opposition politicians. He's had some pressure within his own party. People like Ash Reagan, the former leadership contender, people like Michelle Thompson, people like Angus McNeil, the SNP MP. But it's worth noting that none of these people are close to the SNP leadership. They're all kind of outside that inner circle. So I, I don't think they're really causing him that much worry at the moment. And I think, yeah, I mean, the, the line about sending Nicola Sturgeon flowers was bizarre and probably raised quite a lot of eyebrows in Holyrood. But yeah, there's not much else to say about that. Is, uh, is Hamza Youssef weak, Rachel, do you think? It, it, it's difficult for him at the moment. I think, um, as you were saying, if this was the other way around and this was Nicola Sturgeon who was in charge of making that decision, yeah, the, 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 that person probably would have had their membership revoked by her. So, yeah, it is difficult to see. But as you also said, so far he has kept consistency and he also probably doesn't want to rock the boat any more than it already has been because... Like you said, it's been a very difficult few weeks for him, so he probably wants to just keep things as calm as possible. One thing I'm wondering, though, is uh, what kind of flowers was it that she got? I'm, I'm wondering that. I wonder how much Interflora got for them as well, you know, 600k potential. I think I've seen the, the joke repeated on Twitter. And also, why didn't Colin Beatty or Absolutely. Peter Morrill get flowers or any gift? I did joke with an SNP MSP backbencher. I was like, oh, Colin must feel so, so left out. Um, he's obviously been missing from Parliament for the last couple of weeks as well um, and hasn't been on public audit for a long time. That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you very much at home for listening. Thank you very much, Alex, as well from London. Thank you very much, Alistair and Rachel, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>